Welcome to Hindsight, the podcast where I talk about my memories with old games. Today's episode is on Mega Man Battle Network 4, Blue Moon. Mega Man Battle Network 4 Blue Moon is a deck-building RPG for the Game Boy Advance. It's the fourth installment in the Battle Network series, I know, big surprise there, number four, uh, and released alongside Battle Network 4 Red Sun. The Battle Network series was subject to the Pokemon tendency to release multiple versions of each title with small amounts of collectible items locked between the different versions. It featured connectivity, which allowed trading between copies so you could still collect everything, uh, and also featured a battle system you could use to uh, fight people with different copies of the game. The Battle Network games shared uh, six stories split between ten games, so not every game had two different stories. The first two stood alone uh, as complete stories without the two different titles, and then uh, three onward all had the two different games per release. After the Battle Network games, they were succeeded by the Star Force titles, which upped the ante in release number and split each title into three different releases instead of just the two in order to maximize profits. The only notable difference in any of the games is from Battle Network 5, which instead of being mainly a deck building game, implements an interesting turn-based tactic strategy system reminiscent of Fire Emblem. Battle Network 6 may have also implemented this, but I haven't played it to make sure. Let's talk gameplay. The game operates in an isometric camera angle, which was very popular on the GBA for its ability to give the player a wider viewing area while not having to shrink the on-screen assets. Thankfully for this game, that didn't include a shift of movement directions, so when you press up on the D-pad, you're still going up and not upright in a diagonal. There's one other primary camera angle to mention, and that's the side view that's used in combat. While the overworld takes place in that isometric view, the battle screen is set up in a 3x6 grid. 
the camera faces head-on like a 2D fighting game, such as Mortal Kombat, and the 3x6 grid is split up between red and blue spaces. You're able to move on the red spaces, which are on your side of the uh, combat scenario, and you're able to traverse those at will. There are options for stealing grid places from opponents, and also enemies that aggressively cut down on your own movement area. In combat, you will utilize Mega Man's Mega Buster attachment to deal small amounts of damage to your enemies, alongside a deck building system, which allows you to equip battle chips that let you take special actions, such as throwing a bomb or destroying grid tiles. Battle chips are a sort of antivirus software that you equip in order to fight the viruses you encounter as enemies. These chips come in an incredibly wide variety, but can be summed up in, I think, just a few different groups. Projectiles, blades, navvies, utility, and recovery. Ut uh, utility is basically what I would consider things like taking spaces from enemies or breaking tiles. Uh, recovery is pretty straightforward. Projectiles are things like your cannons or your boomerangs. Uh, blades, I don't think I need to elaborate on. But the navi chips are representations of your allies or the enemies you've defeated that you can summon to utilize special powerful abilities in combat. And like I said, the other categories are pretty straightforward. The sheer number of different battle chips allows for a deeply customizable experience in this game. It allows you to fight in nearly whatever way that you want. If you want to equip a lot of bombs, if you want to equip a lot of swords and blade type uh, weapons, you can do that and really customize your experience. This system has inspired other games, such as One Step, to One Step from Eden, uh, which features the same battle system, while also functioning as a much more fast-paced and difficult game, utilizing the replayability offered from being built as a randomly generated title in the same realm as roguelikes, such as FTL, Faster Than Light. The depth of the combat system is in its customizability, I think. You're able to pick out exactly which battle chips are in your deck with some minor restrictions, and set a starter chip, which shows up at the start of each battle. Your choice of starter chip is limited by your memory, which is a collectible resource found in various nooks and crannies around the game, so taking time to explore all the areas of the overworld is definitely worthwhile. Later in the game, you'll also gain access to a special subset of battle chips called Dark Chips, which is a high-risk, high-reward item that causes... Uh, somewhat permanent effects to Mega Man, which are severe enough to discourage their use entirely, but their power is still extremely tempting. Some of these effects are things such as rap rapidly decreasing the HP and Mega Buster malfunctions. Uh, these effects make a huge difference in how you approach combat, but being able to whip out a dark sword and deal 10 times as much sword damage as normal to a boss is often far too enticing. The game actively pushes you against utilizing too many dark chips as the issues compound with the number of equipped chips, so your survivability drops by quite a bit after swapping in just a few of them. 
The other side effect of dark chips is dark form, which activates every so often when you load dark chips to be used. Forms are incredibly powerful changes to Mega Man's appearance, powerful, uh, and his power, uh, as well as his buster uh, usage, basically. In previous entries, they were largely an uh, an equipable costume of sorts that you would unlock by utilizing certain chips or satisfying other criteria. In this title, you activate forms by utilizing different chips, but you can swap these forms in battle by pulling the correct chip combinations. Dark form is intensely powerful and flips your dark chip effects into positives. Your HP rapidly increases, your Mega Buster becomes incredibly powerful, dealing 10 times or more of its normal damage, and your battle chips become far more powerful as well. The final bit of customization I want to talk about is the Navi customization options. This is a mini-game of sorts, which you can access through the Navi menu. Within the menu, you can utilize customization blocks, which look kind of like Tetris pieces, in order to give yourself special buffs and unique abilities. These range from buster upgrades, like attack bonuses, to uh, health boosts, and the ability to float over gaps in combat. There's plenty more, and you'll find them as you go through the game, but there are just a few rules you have to obey with this tool. Uh, However, the one you want to make sure most about that I remember is to make sure none of the same colored pieces aren't touching. Otherwise, you end up with bugs, which will have adverse effects in combat, similar to the ones that I mentioned with the dark chips. Alright, now it's finally story time. Your character in Battle Network isn't really Mega Man most of the time. It's actually Lan Hikari, a middle school boy whose father is a scientist who works in cybersecurity at Scilab. Lan tends to get his hands on some special toys like his Navi Mega Man, who was custom built for him by his father uh, because of where his father works. The story begins at school, with Lan and his friends Meilu, Dex, and Yai getting in trouble. Lan is sent out to sent out of class to go get something for his teacher, and in the meantime, a hacker locks the doors of the school, and Lan is the only one with access to the override switch in the maintenance room. You make your way over there and jack into the computer network via a little plug-in next to the uh, computer. Solving simple middle school style questions about math, language, and science in order to open the path through to the door locks. I'm going to take a, just a quick second to uh, make an aside. Uh, while you're in these computer networks, you control Mega Man instead of LAN, uh, and these are the only places where you will actually find these random encounters that you'll find throughout the game. When you're controlling LAN, you won't find any of these. Uh, data pickups, any collectibles, or really a whole lot of anything. You'll just be walking around. But as Mega Man, you'll find a whole lot of stuff, as well as, obviously, the combat encounters. So, you make your way through, uh, get to the door locks, and when you finally reach the controls, you meet your first enemy Navi, Ninja Man, who, of course, fights you. You defeat him and unlock the doors so you can meet this Navi's operator inside the boiler room. However, 
The operator throws a smoke bomb and escapes. Later, the police show up, along with Chad, a net battler who's the operator of Protoman. They investigate the incident and reveal that they've been chasing some members of the WWW, an anarchist organization set on disrupting society and the net. Things go mostly back to normal after the net uh, hacking at the school, and Lan and his friends decide to take a trip to the hot springs for some well-deserved relaxation. While there, another WWW member hacks into the network at the hot springs and increases the water temperature to a highly dangerous level. You work your way through the steam and the heat to jack in and take down Woodman, or whatever Earth-themed variant therein uh, exists in this encounter, capturing their operator and saving you and your friends yet again. Later, your friends decide to try to relax once again and go to the zoo. You can guess how that turns out. The animals are enraged by some kind of high-pitched noise emitted from the speakers around the zoo and go crazy. You work your way around the angry hippopotamuses in the zoo and fight some animal-themed navvy, rescuing the zoo from an honestly terrifying situation. After the zoo encounter, Chad and the investigation team reach a breakthrough, discover that these WWW members are aiming to utilize some kind of space laser to, uh, in order to level cities at will. You coerce your dad and Chad in order to join the effort of stopping the attack and stake out the observatory to try to figure out how the WWW operators are planning to emit their signals up to the moon. You're attacked at the observatory, however, and fight off Starman. No, no, no. Not the Earthbound guys. And you find out about a satellite to the Sci... A satellite at Scilab, where Land's father works, that is able to emit the space signal. Why they didn't figure this out earlier, your guess is as good as mine. But it's time. Gear up, because we're taking this bad boy to the moon. You meet your dad and Chad at Scilab, prepared to take down this lead navvy inside the moon network. Work your way through with the help of Protoman in order to meet up with the lead navvy who I'm just going to call Zeta. The fight here at the end is significantly more difficult than the previous fights in the game. Where many of the other bosses had around 800 health or less, this guy has nearly 2,000, and can only be hit in the center tile of his side of the board. So if you're utilizing thrown bombs like I would like to have done, you have to time and place them pretty accurately. The other hard part about this final fight is that Zeta's vulnerable area is only accessible at certain times, so you need to be ready for when you can deal damage, even though it's often directly after a sweeping attack which dealt you 200 damage. It's no big deal though. Jump in and hit with your Z cannon for several hundred damage and dodge that next barrage of missiles and lasers until your next attack opportunity. It's definitely a battle of patience and good execution, so I hope you bring both. 
After defeating Zeta, there's not much else. Lan and Chad go their separate ways, and everyone lives happily ever after until the next extinction-level event comes up. Throughout the game, there are a lot of various shops and upgrades you can get and find, uh, as well as additional fights you can partake in. Uh, these fights kind of come up as you meet special characters, uh, characters with unique navvies you can fight in order to get their navvy chips. The most useful upgrades are navvy points, which you can apply to Mega Man in order to boost his buster power, his charge speed, and other abilities. These points are ridiculously expensive, but always worth grabbing. So save up your zenny for them. You'll find plenty of shops to buy subchips, like health recovery items and unlockers, which unlock special purple containers throughout the game. These purple containers typically hold especially powerful chips, lots of zenny, or upgrade points. The final trader is a bug trader. And yes, I am talking about, like, a software bug, not creepy crawlies. You can acquire bugs by activating counters in battle, hitting enemies right before they begin an attack. You can also sometimes receive them as regular battle awards if you finish a battle especially quickly. The bug traders have even more powerful battleships for sale, far above most of the other things you'll see in the game outside of dark chips. So mastering the counter system is well worth it. When you pull off a counter, you'll also uh, gain increased damage on your next battleship, as well as stunning the enemy you perform the counter on. There's a whole truckload of depth to a lot of the systems and things that I didn't get to, such as uh, enemy boss refights you'll find scattered around the net and the tournament area. Uh, but you'll find a lot of those things as you make your way through the game on your own. That's all I've got for this episode, though. Uh, what are your memories with Mega Man? Did you play the Battle Network games? Did you play this one? Uh, did you have Red Sun and have some chips you want to trade? I've got a link in the description to my Discord, so hop in there and let me know. Uh, also, find Hindsight on the podcast provider of your choice. Uh, apparently, I'm on Spotify now, so... Take advantage of that. I'll see you next time when I discuss another game from my past. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.